Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, so, uh, here we are recapping the Diamondbacks series. Uh, it was an interesting series. Lots of stuff happened. Lots of good, lots of bad. Uh, some very bad. I think we'll start with the very bad, because this podcast is nothing if not optimistic. And the very bad is... Well, I mean, first we should talk to the Nats before it uh, went... Uh... It took split the series two and two, took you know games two and three, lost games one and four, but the games one and four are probably more indicative of of more problematic than games two and three in terms of more consequential, I'd say. That's probably true. So mm-hmm. game four, but the game itself. We'll start with game four. The game itself not particularly consequential. Nats no. lost five to two. Couldn't score against Madison Bumgarner. Uh, obviously, the most important thing that happened today on Sunday is that the Nats announced that Steven Strasburg, after his last start where he threw a fastball at 88 miles an hour, averaged 91, looked genuinely un- or, uh, generally uncomfortable the entire time. Uh, the Nats announced today that he'd be going on the 15-day IL with shoulder inflammation. Uh, 15 or 10-day? It doesn't really matter. I think it's still yeah. 15 for pitchers, 10 for hitters. Gotcha. Either way, he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't understand anything that just happened this last week. Like, like, why did it have to go this way? The official story, which you can choose to believe at your own risk, which you shouldn't believe, is that Strasburg felt great on Tuesday, on the day of his start, pitched badly, felt great all week, threw a bullpen, looked good in the bullpen, and then the day after the bullpen woke up with some soreness in his shoulder. Uh, I call bullshit on that. Uh, Someone said that this was akin to gaslighting today. Uh, Gaslighting is a term that has annoyingly replaced the word lying. Uh, but, But in order for it to be gaslighting, uh, the idea has to be that they make you doubt your own idea of reality. And in truth, I don't think anyone believed what they were having to say over the course of this week about Steven Strasburg. I think everyone knew that there was something wrong, that the Nats' attempts to you know, make believe that there wasn't were you know, not, not true. And... Uh, I think everyone who watched him pitched on Tuesday could certainly see this as a thing that was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, it really just doesn't make any sense from just any standpoint why they felt the need to just lie to everyone. And just, you know, there's video of him stretching out his shoulder. You can't tell me that this was a new thing that just popped up recently. Because that makes, we saw, there's evidence, there's video evidence to the contrary. Well, he was stretching out his trap. This is supposedly shoulder inflammation. They're, they're different muscles. I don't know, maybe they're not related. You would have to be extremely charitable to the Nats here to believe their version of events. And given the Nats' history over the past, since the Mike Rizzo era started, uh, with injuries... You shouldn't be in kind, or you shouldn't be inclined to be charitable to their their view of events. I would say that Strasburg was hurt when he threw on Tuesday. 
the Nats, for some reason, left him out there for a long time, and now he's on the IL. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long this will be on the Nats. Not like anyone really knows how long this will be. I mean, shoulder inflammation could take, you know, be the 15 days or it could be longer. Right. It just got to see when the inflammation goes down. Uh, I mean, the biggest issue is that the Nats have old pitching and injured pitching between Joe Ross, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, you know, Patrick Corbin, and their sixth option or their seventh option, I guess, is Paolo Espino. Yeah, well, I I guess it's either him or or both. Either way, it's not a great option. Uh, Lester should be coming back at some point. Uh, and, and also, soon. Mark Zuckerman pointed this out um, on Twitter that with the Nats schedule, they don't really need a fifth starter for the next three weeks. Right. So maybe they so, can bridge the gap. They've got yeah. a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. the larger problem here is that Steven Strasburg is the Nats' most important player this year. They're not going to go anywhere unless he is healthy and pitching to the best of his abilities. And this is an ominous portent of things to come. Uh, and speaking of ominous portents of things to come, game one of this series. Which, yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's Corbin just doesn't look like he has it yet. And you worry about whether with injury, if it's like, um, yeah, you just don't know what it is with Corbin right now. He just looks incredibly, he's incredibly ineffective. He's not missing any bats. It's... it's it's not terrible. Let's let's put it this way. This is a lineup. The the Diamondbacks lineup is not good to begin with. They are mm-hmm. missing two of their three best players in Cattell Marte, who is their best player, and in uh, Christian Walker. This lineup started players I had never really heard of on Friday Paven. night. Paven Smith, uh, Wyatt Matheson. Josh Van Meter, who I, I had heard of, was their three-hitter, uh, wasn't good enough to pay, play for the Reds, and got cut, and is now the three-hitter on another team. Um, this is not a good lineup, and the Nats had three other pitchers, two of whom are not known for their talent, in Eric Fetty and Paolo Espino, who pretty well handled these lineups. Patrick Corbin, on the other hand, Went two innings, gave up six hits, four walks, two hit by pitches, ten runs, nine earned. Um, I don't think you can really have that much worse of a start than Patrick Corbin did. Nope. And I'll say that his fastball velocity was 90 to 92. His slider, I mean, it's hard to say. He was sort of by the end just trying anything to get out. So he was sort of throwing the slider at varying velocities uh, didn't work. Nothing he threw worked on Thursday. And that's now two bad starts, and obviously he's still got the sort of COVID layoff, and he's still working back. Uh, And the fastball velocity isn't noticeably down in a way that would concern you. Um, But velocity is not the only measure. Uh, and when Corbin struggled in the past, in, in 2019, uh, a major problem is that he was missing high with his fastball, uh, which meant that he couldn't really set up his slider. 
If he can't get the fastball low in the zone, no one's going to whiff on the slider. Uh, <coughs> but here, you know, there's no no one thing you can point to and say, geez, that's the thing he's doing wrong. It's just about everything. And yeah. that is scary. That's, that's a troubling sign. I mean, at least with Strasburg, you hope that maybe when he comes back with velocity returns, uh, that it really was the shoulder inflammation that caused him to to be slow, but with Corbin, I mean, there's really nothing you can point to that, that saying this, this is how you fix it. This is how you get him better. And that's something he talked about, um, in an interview on Thursday. He said, you know, I watched the tape and there was nothing I saw that immediately jumped out, which is not the greatest sign, but you know, the, the Nets have, first of all, obviously, Corbin is going to be given as long a leash as he needs to get right because he's got mm. four years and over $100 million left on his contract. But second of all, the Nats don't have any options to replace him even if they wanted to. Lester will be coming back. Uh, but the, the Nats' starting pitching depth, Eric Fetty has, has, and I'll admit it, looked good in his last two starts. The starting pitching depth beyond Fetty is you know, it's Paulo Espino. You saw him today. And he wasn't terrible, but he's also got a fastball that averages 89 as a right-hander. Um, you know, the Nats are not in a good position to weather any starting pitching injuries or bouts of terribleness. And now they've got two starters, at least, who are question marks. And mm-hmm. Lester, you could say, is three. So it's not what you want if you're hoping for a contending season for the Nats so far. Yeah, I mean, again, it's still April, and people are, a lot of people are talking about like how things are over right now. I mean, I do have to say we do have a better record than the Braves do, uh, and we've had probably worse circumstances than they have. Um, it, it's, I mean, as we saw a couple of years ago, I don't think you remember this, but the Nationals started their season uh, 19 and 31. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just like, you know, there's some definite red flags that are definitely troublesome, but I'm not, you know, still some people willing to call it a season today after they just won two in a row. I mean, they had a four and three week, which isn't bad. I don't think anyone's calling it a season. Everyone is sort of saying if the Nats have starting pitching issues, they're not well positioned to weather them and contend. And right now, the Nats have starting pitching issues. They could fix themselves. This could just be a, a 10 or 15 day stint for Strasburg. His shoulder inflammation could clear up uh, and he could come back and throw 180 innings and be great this year. Corbin could figure it out after. Uh, although I will say this, Corbin's ERA is 24 right now. A fun mm-hmm. fact is that he would have to throw 38 and two thirds consecutive scoreless innings right now to get his ERA at three. That's uh, not very good. No, it, it's it's a bad start. But the point is, he could he won't do that, but he could be effective in his next start. You know, the obviously the season isn't over. It's April, but yeah, these are not things you wanted to see uh, this early in the season, and it's troubling injury and ineffectiveness from two of your three horses that you needed to to count on. Now, mm. we'll say that Max Scherzer looks terrific. Yes, he does. 
because he always does. And Joe Ross looks really good. I mean, he didn't pitch this week. And Fetty, though. And Eric Fetty uh, tied his career high of strikeouts with nine. Uh, yeah. In five innings. He, he looked very sharp. He was getting into a lot of long counts, but he was finishing off batters eventually. Uh, again, not the greatest lineup in the world, which uh, I would read Fetty and Espino, uh, who was decent today. Uh, four and a third innings, two runs. Pretty much all you could ask for from an emergency starter from a 34-year-old journeyman who's made a couple career starts in his life. Um, but I would say that the best way to read those starts is probably an indictment of Corbin. But, you know, Fetty has now looked good in two consecutive starts. If he can give you solid-ish innings, then that really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his stuff has looked like it's playing up. His fastball has maintained velocity around 94 miles an hour, which is harder than I can ever remember him throwing outside of a couple of appearances in his uh, debut year. So a mixed bag. The Nats, uh, I think we set out as a goal for them this series. We expected them to win the series, go 3-1. and one. They didn't, but they avoided yeah, I disaster. Mean, I mean, obviously... If we had known Strasburg had, were not pitching, we probably would change that uh, prediction. Well, no, it wasn't a prediction. It was a, you know, it was a goal. Uh, and yeah, if I, guess so. I would say that if you had told me that Paulo Espino would be starting, and Espino would only give up two runs in four and a third innings against uh, Madison Bumgarner, who has looked very shaky, I would have expected that the Nats would win that game. They didn't mm-hmm. score, so they didn't. But yep. uh, it wasn't Espino's fault. He gave them everything that could reasonably be asked. Yeah. Now looking at the offense, I mean, Turner had a good series. Schwarber's bat's coming alive, and that's very good for the Nats. He did well. I'm mean, do well today, but you know, had that walk-off home run. Friday night had a couple knocks yesterday. Um, I mean, but the big thing with it is, you know, how lost Josh Bell looks currently. It's really concerning. Say. Yeah, I mean... He's a guy who you're hoping, I mean, in spring especially, you're hoping that he could figure it out, um, and that he had figured it out. And, you know, his last year and a half with Pittsburgh, he was looked lost at the plate, and he looks lost at the plate again now. Well, it's it's been seven games. Uh, he missed two weeks. He yeah. is the kind of hitter who's A, streaky, and B, streaky because his swing has this hitch in it. It's a long swing. His timing looks completely off right now. He's late on every fastball he sees. Uh, there was a the first pitch that he saw in his pinch hit at bat today. Uh, it was a fastball in. Uh, he swung late and he fouled it off. And he sort of looked at the bat like, how did I miss that pitch? Like he was expecting to make contact and send it a long way and somehow didn't. So... I don't know when you raise the alarm on Bell on how to be concerned. Uh, mm. I would say give him more than a week, obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even talking about you know taking him out or, or giving him days off or anything. I'm just saying how concerned should you be about Josh Bell's slow start. It's yeah. a long season. The Nats, you know, it would be great for them to get some wins. Uh 
and it's really hard to do that when your three hitter is hitting a hundred. But you know, it would be good to score. So, mm-hmm. and, and the offense. I mean, fun fact: the Nats lead the league in singles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are not doing great with extra base hits. Although Trey no. Turner had two home runs today, so that was kind yeah. of fun. But Her, I mean, yeah, it's it's gonna be. I mean, uh, it's gonna be a weird season for the Nats. They it's only have a, they only have three players right now who have multiple home runs. Uh, Turner now has four. Soto has two. Soto did not have a good series. Uh, no, he had just the one hit, actually, in his first at bat of the series. So that wasn't great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Turner has four. Soto and Zimmerman each have two. And then no one else has more than one. So the Nats are going to need some more consistent production all throughout their lineup. Um, they probably should have won today, given what the pitching did or given what Espino did and who they were facing. Uh, they've got, you know, they're 5-8. and eight. It's not great, but it's not, you know, soul-crushingly terrible. Uh, it's not, you know, it's funny, though. The the Yankees have started off 5-10, and 10, uh, mm-hmm. and their fan base are, you know, they're, they're literally throwing stuff on the field. Uh, I do find it funny that they all brought baseballs to a baseball game. As the, that as was supposed to bring. What's that? What else are you supposed to bring at the baseball game? Yeah, you bring baseballs to a baseball game. You bring basketballs to a basketball game. You know, footballs to a football game. That's what you do. Exactly. Uh, and then hockeys to a hockey game. But uh, it's, it's just funny to watch sort of the difference in fan mentality. The Nats have obviously won more recently than the Yankees. Uh, But the Yankees are a team that expects to win every single year. And the Nats are, like, I just, I find it, this is sort of an aside, but I find it that it must be miserable to be a Yankee fan. Because there's no sense of lowered expectations. If you... If you win the World Series, then, oh, that's expected. If you don't, then the season is a failure no matter what else happened. Uh, And there's never any resetting of expectations. So, you know, you you go to these Nats games, and people are just sort of happy to be back at the ballpark. Uh, There were people starting cheers for Paulo Espino. Uh, You know, and the team's 5-8. and You go to Yankee games, they're 5-10. and They got swept by the Rays, and people started throwing things. So, uh, I think it's also the difference of how they've played. I mean, I don't know if you've watched any Yankee games, but they've looked, they look listless. I mean, they look like they don't have a chance in any game. And it's different with the Nats because, you know, for, for the most part, I'd say they've been playing competitive baseball in, in most games besides the Corbin start and the well, Strasburg and, start. And, you know, they have the built-in excuse of, you know, the, we had the COVID f- against right. the, the best two teams in Possibly the East, uh, not the East. Sorry, I was reading about basketball. Um, and possibly the NL. But um, yeah, I think you know that's the difference is that how the Yankees have been playing. I mean, they've been really playing terribly, uh, hitting into double plays constantly, 
defensive errors. Um, just everywhere, they just look like they don't look like they're ready to play. And so that's why the Yankee fans are frustrated because, you know, this really should be the Yankees' year. I mean, they on paper should be the best team in the AL. And they're not even looking close to that. That's fair. It's still only 15 games. It's still, yeah, but I, I think it's frustrating. I mean, 15 games in the start of the season versus 15 games in the middle of the season is very different because that's all you have. It's the only sample size you have. Okay, that's, you know what, that's fair enough. I'll stop yeah. criticizing Yankee fans for one I mean, day at least. Yeah, I mean, the AL should be the Yankees. There's no reason why it shouldn't be the Yankees. They have the best uh, team on paper. And if you're playing like you literally have the worst record in baseball when you should be the best team in the AL, it's frustrating. I mean, the Yankees are rarely in last place in the AL. That's, I mean, they haven't been in last place since 1998, which is amazing. The amazing thing is that, like, Yankee fans talk about the last decade as though it was some, like, wander through the desert type of decade. They were never, they never, they never fell under 500. I mean, they did for a time in 2017 or 2016, but they never finished a season under 500. They were always at the least somewhat competitive. Uh, and yeah, no, they you, didn't. When you when you have the Yankees payroll, when you have the Yankees mo, it's everything about the Yankees is it's you have to win at least once in a decade. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It must be miserable to be a fan of a team like that. Well, like, it also is pretty nice to have all that winning in your culture. I guess, you know, but can you really? In the, in the lean years, it? it's fr- in the lean years, it's frustrating. But in the, in the, the good years, but my it's point great. is, the lean years were not that lean. The lean years yeah. were. Mariners fans would kill to have the lean years that the Yankees have had. Of course they would. They'd also kill to have. The budget that the Yankees have. The Maryland, Mariners do not have a. They're not a small budget team. Uh, they've no, had. But they've had large payrolls in the past. Yeah. The the I mean, Mariners. It's different. But one you, of the one get, of the seasons that the Yankees had that fans complain about is 2015 when they made the wild card game and lost in the wild card game. If they're getting shut out by Dallas Keuchel, and Mariners fans would kill for a season like that. Of course they would, because they're losers. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. It just It's the difference between having a winning culture and a losing culture. If you have a winning yep. culture, you expect winning. If you have a losing culture, you expect losing. I'm not I'd rather saying... have a winning culture than a losing culture. I'm not saying that they're not binaries. You can have a culture where you can appreciate things for what they are instead of having those things be completely overshadowed by the failure to reach the ultimate goal. Like well, I would sure, consider, look, look at the Dodgers in the, before last year, in the last decade. Mm-hmm. They had a very frustrating decade. They were very successful in their winning, but you know, coming that close to winning it all and not winning it multiple times and being that good of a team and not winning it multiple times is frustrating because you want to win. The ultimate goal is to win a World Series. But like I wouldn't consider the Nats 12, 14, 16, and 17 seasons to be a failure. Not by a long shot. You know, they didn't win the World Series, but there were there were a lot of good things to be taken from those teams and there were a lot of there was a lot of fun baseball to be played there. And I think that when you get so hung up on championships to the point where you see seasons as binaries, either you win and it's a success or you don't and it's not, you miss out on the point of baseball. Baseball is an everyday slog where 
I don't know, the objective of sports, not to get all, you know, I don't know, but not to get all sappy about things, but the objective of sports to be to take as much joy out of sports as you can. It just, it doesn't seem like Yankee fan culture is a very joyful fan culture. Like I, I don't know, I'm, you know, my team is two years post World Series win, and I'm finding it hard to get too upset about anything. Even this idea of being, you know, saddled with a Steven Strasburg who can't go for very much of the six years that are left in his contract. You know, there's a debate online about whether or not the Nats should have signed Rendon over Strasburg. It's hard for me to get too upset about that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I... Congratulations, you've become well-adjusted. Maybe I'm from a losing culture. Maybe you're right, John. But I yes, think I think the point of sports should be to enjoy sports. Uh, and, you know, as someone who has had some problems with enjoying sports in the past myself, I just can't imagine the kind of, you know, inability to take stock and take perspective that sort of comes with the Yankee fan experience. Well, well talking about taking stock in how every game day is a slog, we can look forward to our next three games that are going to be slogs. That was a We're hell taking of a on the Cardinals. Thank you. We're taking on the Cardinals for three games uh, starting tomorrow, correct? Yeah. Schedule yes. Hard time Monday, learning. Tuesday. Starting Wednesday. tomorrow. We just saw the Cardinals took 2-0-3 from them. We got Jack Flaherty versus Joe Ross, rematch of last week, if I remember correctly. No, that's Strasburg versus Ross. Sorry. Strasburg versus, versus Corbin. Jack, I had then we have Wainwright versus Corbin, and then for some reason the MLB app is crashing right now. And won't Carlos Martinez, and that on Wednesday. So between those three, I mean, it's another series where we could. I mean, two or three is a good goal for this series. Um, I mean, we just saw the Cardinals. I don't really feel like when you're recapping anything about them. No, because I feel like we know they're, about them already. You know, you know, they're a thin roster behind their two star players. Uh, their pitching has looked shaky, even though they've got some big names. Uh, and the Nats are going to see Carlos Martinez, who they didn't see last time. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be fun to see Adam Wainwright again. The, the Nats can take two out of three and win this series, and that'll put them two games under five hundred after 16, which is not a terrible place to be, all things considered. No, that's, that's, I, I feel comfortable being there. Considering the difficulty of schedule with the COVID. And the fact is that no one in National League East has really started off very hot. Uh, the, the Mets have gotten, had a pretty good start. The Mets have not played enough to really make a determination on that. They're 7-4. I mean, they yeah. So they've, they've had mean, yeah. a season be very interrupted by rainouts and snowouts and COVID and outs. Us. Yes, yeah. and yeah, facing the plague team. So, I don't know. The no team has really run away. Obviously, you can't run no, away. We're with still a division we're still team. only three. We're still still only three games difference between first I, and last. I, I want to preface this whole conversation by saying, you know, April baseball. Keep it in perspective. You can't. Also, you can. You were saying that you can't run away with the division in uh, in April. Uh, check out the Dodgers. Yes. They're already nine and a half up on the on the Padres right now. They're nine and a half up. Uh huh. 
Oh my god. But the yeah. yes. The, not not the Padres. I meant to say Rockies. They're not that far up on the Padres. No, they're what, four games up on the Padres. They're four games up on the Padres. They've still played some impressive. very competitive games. It's been a very fun series to watch. It has been a great series. Uh, I mean it's two to one right now as we record uh, after five, so maybe we'll I'll put on that game right now. Yeah. Um the point is, you know, there have been seasons where the Mets have started thirteen and one. There have been seasons where, you know, in 2015, the Mets started with a 13-game win streak. In uh, in 2013, the Braves started out red hot. That hasn't happened. If the Nats can keep things close for this month while well, they've got this tough schedule, if they can get their pitching right, uh, this is still a very winnable division. But the things that we've seen from the pitching have not been what you wanted to see. So, I don't know. Uh, it's April baseball. It's I'm really... My, my number one takeaway is just that it's been really nice to be at the ballpark again. Um, I'm sure it has. I still haven't gone. No, you haven't. Uh, although, you're you're in Boston. Patriots Day game is tomorrow. could always go to I that. A, well, I have, a, I have work. Fair enough. Job. I thought Patriots Day was a holiday in Massachusetts. It is. And technically I do have the day off, but I'm not taking the day off. Well, I'm sorry. You're on that grind. I forgot. Hashtag grind. Well, this podcast is devolving. I think we've said everything we want to say. Yes. Uh, so we'll be back we'll be with back you. on uh, They're off Thursday, right? They're off Thursday. First time so in we'll 13 games. So we'll be back games. Thursday. Yep. yep. So talk to you then. then. All right, till then, au revoir.